Welcome to Lady Bits in Leadership, a brave space where women come together to share stories about our bodies, our sexuality, and motherhood. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Vogel, and my mission in life is helping women feel less alone, process their trauma, and build the lives they desire. So if you're ready to join a community of women who have found their voices, who have become liberated from shame and reclaim their power, then you're in the right place, girl. You found us. We're so happy you're here. When I tell you today's guest is literally living my dream life, she's literally living my dream life. Chef Justine Ma is on the program today, and I am so excited to dive into all things food with her. Now, I say she's living my dream life, but it's really just a part of her life that I love. It's the traveling around the world and eating things that other people cook for her. And she would consider that research. But she also likes to do all the things behind the scenes because she's a chef. She grows her own food. She preps her own food. She cooks her own food and she serves it to the people of Hawaii. Chef Justine is just so magical. You can find her on Instagram, rolling dumplings, steaming dumplings, creating new things that she found using ingredients fresh from the farmer's market. And you can find her cruising around with her dog Olena and all the chickens that she has on her farm. Now, years ago, she, on a whim, decided she was done with education and said, I love eating and I want to go travel. So she did that. She went to Italy and she befriended a chef who taught her how to make all the good thing. And she did so by asking him, by just asking him, can I teach you English and you teach me how to cook? And the rest of her life, is literally history. The rest of her life is an adventure that we go through on the podcast. It's led her to buying a one acre undeveloped piece of property on our island of Hawaii and turning it into an eco resort. She has three tiny homes on the property, all of which are rentable. And if you're interested in hosting a private event here, eating delicious farm to table food, grown and cooked by a woman who has served as a celebrity chef, Justine's for you. She's so accessible. She's such a beautiful soul. She has such an amazing life to share with us. We're so lucky to have her on the podcast today. A quick note before we go into this, you'll hear us talk about our experiences with sexual harassment on the massage table. Now, Justine gets a lot of massages because of all the work that she does with her full body and especially with her hands as a chef. And what she shared with me after the podcast, as we were reflecting after we were done recording, was that there was a couple instances that she has experienced and that I have experienced being in this vulnerable situation on a massage table. And so I just want to say that although we didn't dive into that topic, I do want to say that anyone who has experienced this, you always have the power to say, I'd actually like to stop this massage or please don't touch me there or I'm not comfortable with you touching me there. For so many of us, we experience these things that make us really uncomfortable but can't quite find the words to say and unfortunately being naked on a massage table has given both Justine and I a couple of different instances in which case um, we were sexually harassed and so I wanted to put that out there because if it's happened to the two of us it's probably happened to some listeners out there so remember the power that you have when you're in that situation. You should never be made to feel uncomfortable. You always have the power to ask for what you need and what you want on the massage table. And if it gets really scary, gets really dangerous, you always have the power to get up and leave. So 
we don't spend a ton of time on it, but I did want to take a moment to acknowledge that as Lady Bits and Leadership talks about all the fun things about being a woman and being a feminist and being a fighter for women's justice and also talks about some of the darker sides of that, which includes sexual harassment. So without further ado, let's dive into Dumplings and Digging in the Earth with Justine Ma. But before we start this episode, I have to put a quick plug in for my girl, Kelsey Audison Viegas of Auto Books. Listen, if you're a business owner of a small or large business, you do not have time to be doing your own books. No one has time for QuickBooks except for my girl, Kelsey. So if you want to be focused on building profits in your business rather than tooling over all this Excel spreadsheets and different queries of QuickBooks, then our girl is for you. You can find out more about Kelsey and her bookkeeping solutions at O. O-T-T-O-B-O-O-K-S-L-L-C.com. That's O-T-T-O-B-O-O-K-S-L-L-C.com. Y'all, we have a chef in the house. A real life chef, Justine Ma. What's up, girl? Hey, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I am just so thrilled. I feel like the last time I saw you, I was like on your back cracking it at the gym oh my god you were we we were working out at the brave fitness in gila hawaii with our friend who's an instructor whitney and ella and it was such a hard workout that was like someone just step on me please and sarah like rose to the challenge and we became instant friends i was like thank you i could actually use that right now sarah if you don't mind well since we're both in town today (laughs) just pop over Any opportunity for me to randomly climb on people? Sure. I'm like my two and a half year old son. Yes. Oh With God. your consent and permission, I will happily lay my Holy. entire body on you. I'll, I'll keep that in my back pocket because there's times where I just need a little like Like you said, you dropped off tiramisu, which we'll talk all about all of your food because it's well known across town. Um, Uh So you know where I live. So if you're just like, I just need a real quick, like, just like fake adjustment. Like I'm a doctor, but I'm not a doctor of chiropractic. But anytime I think I I could probably use an adjustment almost nearly every day. Oh, I know. And I think that you were actually the first person to tell me about chiropractic services. And I ended up going to the one that you go to. Oh, cool. I'm pretty sure. And Dr. Klein. Oh, I'm not sure if that was me, but oh, okay, I definitely probably else. rave about like just massages in general. I'm actually currently at my masseuse's house because <laughs> we've become friends. So, yeah. I mean, when you are naked on a table with uh, oils and lotions getting rubbed down, there is an intimacy that's built there. Honestly, like it's so normal here to be naked in Hawaii. And so like, it just like, there's a trust level. And like, you know, there's certain times where like masseuses have crossed the line for sure by like certain topics they've discussed while I'm on the table, whatever. Like when you and and they were males and everything. So my masseuse is Mayiko and she's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so like the trust that we've developed and the friendship we've created together is amazing. So she can really get into my layers because as a chef, I need a lot of body work multiple times a week actually because my arms and my fingers she's like it's all stuck in there yeah oh my gosh yeah the um sexual we're We're getting old (laughs) yeah I know damn it I'm in my 30s are you in your 30s too oh yeah yeah so yeah it just shifts at 30 about 33 
Although that was at the same time that I had a baby. So, but yeah, I was already like getting creaky and now I'm just hella creaky and, uh, and pops. I pop a lot. Like my hip pops now after having a kid. I I do regret not listening to women when I was younger and saying like, oh, you know, like make sure you do this, make sure you support yourself like this. It's not going to be like that. And I didn't believe them. So things like stretching people who know, like, um, just even like just your body, like, um, how we bounce back so quickly when we're younger and like, they're like, it's not going to be like that. Or like, even just like doing headstands, you know, and yoga and stuff. Like I used to just go straight into them and I didn't do the prepping where I walked my feet up. I would just go straight like a handstand into headstand. Yeah. Now I can't do headstands anymore because of my neck. Yeah. yeah. So Damn. just take, take advice from the people who know. <laughs> take advice from the hot creaky people. In yeah, their exactly. <laughs> Been there, messed up that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I want to dive into so much. I feel like we should, if I'm, I'm not going to talk about it, but I do want to acknowledge what you said about being in a masseuse experience with a male yeah. masseuse and the sexual harassment that yeah. you experienced, that is a very real situation. It has, before we go into like our actual topics, because I feel like this kind of happened to me years ago with a masseuse who was male. And I am not very familiar with masseuse work. It was something that my husband had bought me on a Groupon. Mm. And I went to see this guy and his hands went so far up my inner thighs And granted, your inner thighs have muscles, right? but it made me, I was lying there closing my eyes feeling like, do I have to say something? Like if literally if he goes any further, like that'll be my vulva. And I don't know, like, I don't know what to do here. You're there to relax, right? And you're there to feel comfortable and you're there to release. You're not there to stress out and tense up and be nervous. So as soon as that moment happens, like it's happened pretty much every single time I've had a male masseuse, except for maybe once, you know, like that I felt super uncomfortable with, you know, what, what have you done in that situation? Because I I felt like I didn't do anything. And I kind of walked away from it being like, what just happened there? Um, Was that normal? I'm, I'm even learning now, like when, like when I'm nervous, I smile a lot, like, or I laugh in situations. And then like, I'll try to make like a joke out of it. And that's just like compensating for their misbehavior, you know? Um, So I kind of see like, I, I'll be honest, like in those situations, no, I don't say that. I just don't ever go back. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, like, thinking, I just... I'm, like all the times that's happened, I'm like, yep, just, I never, like I got refunds. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm busy. Sorry. Like can't, can't make yeah. it anymore, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of the episodes end up talking about things like sexual harassment, sexism, racism, because this is something that women experience. We can't get away from it. Like there's always something that we've experienced. And I would love to hear more about your experiences as a chef. So we'll transition to that because I just find your work so fascinating as someone who, yeah, as someone who has both indulged in your food and who has a very, um, fraught relationship or like not a very strong mm-hmm. relationship with right. cooking I love eating I love that's a bonus that's great some people don't <laughs> so wild. no it is one of it is one of the most pleasurable acts yeah in the world to me I just I just know how much work like I, I made some Vietnamese summer rolls yesterday oh, nice. delicious did it take an hour and a half and I came away with 10 summer rolls and question like 
I didn't like the process at all. Mm, and that's the thing. And the fact is, is I assume since you are a chef that you enjoy the process of cooking. So why don't you talk to us about how you became a chef, what your thoughts are on cooking? We'll start there. Yeah, it's a little bit unconventional, but I think um, actually in this industry, being a chef is for really unconventional people, actually. So the, how I started in my career, I was actually, um, I went to school for education. I have five degrees in education. I actually have the same master's degree as your doctorate oh, okay. um, in educational leadership. So I was a school principal. And um, I think I was the youngest school principal in probably all the U.S. by the time that I graduated. Um, well, certified, right? Yeah. So I needed the work experience and everything. So I relocated to Milan, Italy to take a position where I'm like, Either I don't know what they call it because it's different like terminology, whether it's assistant principal or principal or head of school or whatever or something, because um, then I was also in classrooms. So I moved over to Milan. I became an adult because no one was cooking my food. I didn't know the language. Um, had to take out my own trash, like had to clean and do all these things that like were really new to me. So cooking, I knew how to fry an egg. I knew how to make ramen. And I was just like. I really love Italian food. I don't know how to speak the language. Even pizza, it's like pizza. Like you, if you don't say it the way that they understand it, you can't eat. So I found myself on weekends, like always at restaurants, always eating constantly. Cause I actually grew up um, in a generation of chefs. I, and I didn't put two and two together till like maybe a few years ago, but my grandfather was chef on my oh. mother's side and my father's a chef. So I knew how to eat and um, I kept going back to this one restaurant that was near me and I just decided to ask the owner if I could walk in the kitchen and ask the chef to teach me how to cook. And he's like, yeah, he's like, go ahead. Like we became friends and everything. He's like, go ask him, see if he'll say yes. And I was <laughs> like, and I was like, okay. And so it was like a long shop. I was like, if I teach you English, will you teach me how to cook? And he's like, yeah. So like, that's just how it started. Um, and like, I learned his risottos, I learned his sauces and he's like, and it's chef Jean, um, Piero Cognago and he's of her name Monza. And, um, we're still good friends to this day. And, um, I decided that like cooking brought something out of me that I had been looking for my whole life. And, um, I've always been good at teaching and I've always been good at like working with kids, but like cooking was something that like, was like, oh, I want more of this. I want to learn because teaching and, you know, being with kids, it was really natural. It was really easy for me, but this was like a challenge that was welcome. So I actually, um, you know, was really unhappy with my profession. And I decided that like, I wasn't going to resign for the following year. So I called my mom while I was in Milan and I was like, Hey mom. Um, so just want to let you know, I rescinded my contract and I'm not teaching anymore. And she was like, you can't do that. Whatever. I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't hear you. The connection's bad. Gotta go. Bye. And so then I started eating my way around the world. And, um, and this was before millennials were a term. And this is right about when eat, pray, love came out. And so people thought I was her because I was in Italy and everything. I was like, no, no, that's not me. Like, but, you know, I'm on my journey. So I ate my way around the world. I made it back to New York and I was trying to find a culinary school as I was traveling, but nothing really spoke to me. Like not even the schools in Italy that are all about slow food. Um, so when I went back to New York, I almost gave up on the whole idea of becoming a chef because 
I just wanted to write about food, not necessarily cooking restaurants. I just wanted to do it to understand more about what I was trying to teach because I'm a teacher. I wanted to teach people about food, right? And so I thought, you know, two and two together, oh, I have to get a degree in order to talk to people about this. And so um, one idea came into my mind as soon as I dropped it and I went to this one school. It was a good fit for me. It's the number mm -hmm. one in health and wellness. I graduated from there. I started working with celebrity chefs on a daily basis. I was hosting boutique dinners for Lululemon Athletica. I was writing for like magazines and blogs and all that stuff. And then making a food editor of this print magazine. And I'm just like burnt out by that time. Like it was just like nonstop, fast paced, go, go, go. But I was so grateful for the opportunities um, to work with all these amazing people. And um, yeah, long story short, I became a chef <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> and it still is great because now you have your own, yeah. your own uh, just... I was going to say ecosystem of food. I do. I will say that. Remember when I just mentioned I was burnt out after like, like literally, like I had six jobs as once. Like I didn't know how to, that was my issue. I didn't know how to balance. I had a lot of burnout because I only knew to go, 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 go in the programming. Right. Um, so I decided one day um, to leave New York. I just was like, Hey, where did you get your yoga teacher training? They were like, Oh, I went to the big Island of Hawaii. And I was like, great. Booked a flight the next day, left 30 days later. And it was very normal for me to just pick up and leave and go somewhere and not come back. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I might, I might be back mom. I may not be back. Um, I'll just let you know how it goes and everything. And people thought I was crazy. They're like, you just work so hard to get to the top of your career. We're not the top top, but like, you know, like really like, you know, far in your career. And I'm just like, I just, it's a calling. It's a knowing I got to go. I got to see what it is. And then um, I didn't think I was going to go back to cooking at all. Like you met me when I had just started telling people I was a chef. I had been here. I've been here since 2016 and no one knew I was a chef until 2021, I think. Yeah. Were you doing chef work? No, I was okay. actually, I went back to schools. I was working as a special ed teacher in, Poho in Pahoa. Oh, okay. the, yeah. And so like, I actually took a break for a while from everything. Then I went back to the school system and then the school system wasn't really feeding my soul. I loved the kids and everything, but it was really, it, it's heartbreaking working for the admin and all that other mm -hmm. stuff, you know, uh, especially during the, the pandemic and it was really hard. So um, I started cooking to like, you know, did no balance. I was just like, just go, go, go. And I was just kind of meditating and making dumplings and going back to what brought me to my process of like balance in a way, but it was also burnout. So now oh I've gosh. gotten There's balance. so much I want to ask you. Yeah. First, yeah. Sorry, first, no, don't apologize. It's totally great. I mean, it just, I didn't know much about your story. I knew you as the yeah. one who I, I love seeing on social media, make dumplings. I still have yet to get some of your dumplings. I got your cake, yeah. which was delicious. So I definitely have to order the dumplings. But, and what's so funny is I was telling my neighbor about you. I was like, oh, I, I can't remember how it came up, but I was like, oh yeah, my friend um, that makes dumplings. And she was like, is that Justine? And I was like, uh... how do you know Justine? <laughs> so one, I think that's one thing about the, our, us living in a smaller community. Yeah. 
But two, I think your product speaks for itself. You know, I think oh, this idea you. of like really good, slow food, people want to have that. They want to have an experience. Okay. But before we dive more into and I food, want to provide that. Yeah. And you do provide it, which is so yeah. fantastic. I want to dive into the moment that you decided you wanted to ask the chef to learn oh. from him. Because I think that what I love diving into topics that I love diving into are confidence um, and how women get confidence or take risks that oh. come out to be really good. And then they, they, it proves to them they can do that. What did it take for you to either conceptualize that you had the ability to ask the chef, like, can I learn from you and I'll teach you English? Like, what was your thought process and what did it actually take energetically and emotionally for you to be like, yeah, let's do this? Two seconds. Literally, uh, there was no thought process whatsoever. Um, I kind of give credit to my dad for allowing me to just be this like really outspoken, overly confident little girl that just was never told no too often. Like I had boundaries and everything like that, but he really just, I was the youngest of three. By the time they got to me, they were really tired. So I was just like kind of demanding and, you know, I just say what I want. And also I'm a New Yorker too. So it's really easy for me to just be like, Hey, like this is going to be good for you and me. Do you want to do this? Yes or no? Cool. You don't want to do it. Cool. You want to you want to learn something new? Yeah, great. You know, it really, for me, if I don't ask, then I miss out, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and the worst that someone can say is no, and then you move on, or you just, you know, figure it out. Absolutely. That was actually something I was just telling my husband about this. That was a saying that I remember my dad saying over and over and over again. And he was definitely like approached his life as like a, the hustler mentality in the sense of we're just yeah. going to make this work. And yeah. he always told me, it'll always be a no if you never ask, you know, yeah. like if you never ask, the worst they could say, as you said, is no. But we yeah. make it this a big emotional thing when people tell us no, like we feel ashamed for asking or we feel like, oh my gosh, what an idiot for asking. But when you can emotionally let go of that and just say, this is a conversation and not make any bigger meaning out of it and just try yeah. Just try yeah. with little asks, you know, just like if you are unsatisfied at a restaurant or you want to have, you want to ask if it's possible to do something. These are things that people actually don't do because they're so ashamed yeah. or like they're so fearful of the shame that may come after it. So taking those yeah. little risks to start and, and keeping it consistent and working up to the point where you're asking a chef to be like, Hey man, yeah. this could be a good thing for both of us. Like, yeah you don't just get there automatically. You got to practice. I, and I've been practicing since I was able to talk. So I've had a lot of, lot of, lot of experience, but I will say that, um, I've witnessed that. And it's shocking to me how, like, um, like you were mentioning the example, like sending back food or something. Mm -hmm. There's one thing I have a rule, like as a chef, whatever, um, if you're sending back a plate because you don't like it, that was your choice. The menu mm -hmm. was there, was explained. If it was because you didn't understand the menu, there's more questions to ask, you know? Mm -hmm. But also I think um, I'm at a point in my life and my career where I know exactly the timing that food should be done and how cooked it should be. So I have the skill set to know this was cooked improperly. I'm sending it back because it needs to be redone for this certain reason. And Nine times mm. out of 10, like, you know, I'm always, well, I'll be honest, like there was a situation where we just tried to be like, no, that's supposed to be a cold dish. I was like, 
highly doubt that right now. And so literally I sent it right back. And then the chef actually came out because I told her, I was like, this was waiting on the pass for 10 minutes. I don't even have to look. I know this is what happened. And I know that she didn't tell the chef this, but he came out and goes, I'm really sorry, but the last dish was waiting 10 minutes on the pass and it was almost going to be that again. So I came out personally to give it to you, you know? So like, if you know what you're talking about, there's also confidence in the knowing. Like if you have the expertise in something, you don't need an ego about it. You'd be like, hey, like, you know, I'm just gonna not make a big deal about this, but I'm gonna mention this to you quietly so that we can fix it, you know? Yeah, it happened, you know, and I think that expertise might be where people get tripped up too, of like, they're like, okay, well, Justine's a chef, like she knows, you know, and so sometimes there is that case of like, you just don't like the food that you ordered. And unfortunately, that happens, you know, but it was prepared in the way that it was, it was meant to be prepared. But it did happen one time, I think it was Lomi salmon that just had so much salt in it. It was like eating salt water. I was like, I can't, I cannot eat this at all. And my husband, my husband was like, he is definitely one of those that's like, we don't want to make a big scene, you know? And I, I'm like, I'm not making, no one's making a scene here. I'm just saying, I can't eat this. You know, it's overly salted and, and I'm not, I'm being kind about it. So it is, I need to, I need to comment on that too, because like that happened to me where I ordered a ribeye. I was with someone else, but we both ordered ribeyes. That other person got a ribeye. I got around and I knew the difference, but that person would have made a stink if I'd said something. But I felt trapped because I really wanted to say something, but out of, you know, just to be nice to the other person and not to embarrass them, I said nothing. But I ended up with a round steak and I was miserable for it. So you don't, you don't hold it in, you guys. You gotta just say your truth and like- You got to just, you know, speak your truth and like, otherwise it's going to sit with you and then a little fester and you're like, I shit, I'm still talking about it. I got a round instead of a ribeye. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of us who love food, know that there's a huge difference and ribeyes are one of the best cuts of meat, in my opinion. They're just so fatty and marbled and delicious. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, of all like and they gave it to me because they didn't think I knew what I was getting they gave it to the other person thinking that they would know and I'm like that person wouldn't know a left from the right you know (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so okay so I appreciate all that about you know just going for it because I think in your life this is your life you live once you just got to start taking little risks and look at what that risk gave you. It gave yeah. you literally a different freaking life where you're way more aligned with what your passions are. I yeah. mean, you're doing so- and what's so wild too. And what I would love to talk about is, okay, so you moved to Hilo Hawaii in 2016, you said for, yeah. a, and you love yoga. It sounds like, or are you yeah, on a daily basis? That was my only form of balance. It was actually how I found oh. myself and I was never religious. Um, I never grew up with any religion, but it really made me believe it in something. And it really helped me understand the world. It helped me understand people. It made me more compassionate. You know, it like gave me philosophies to build off of and to, you know, connect to other, you know, spiritualities and stuff like that. And just helped me ground because I felt like um, as I mentioned before, I travel quite often, like I pick up and I go and I can eat my way around the world or whatever. There was no foundation. You know, I've grown, I grew up in a very good home. I've always have a home to go back to. And 
my risk factor actually wasn't that big because if I didn't like it, I could fly back home too. So I just want to preface that too. So there was a safety net always, huh. even though I gave up my, you know, my positions or my apartment or whatever. There was never like, I'm going to be out, you know, somewhere. Huh. Um, but like internally, I didn't feel like I knew who I was. You know, I didn't know what, who I was, what I'm here for, what I stand for. I just knew I existed. I'm here to work. That's why I kept burning out. Like, you know, I just knew I'm supposed to climb the ladder as high as I can go until there's no more ladder. And then I just fall off, you know, <laughs> like, and like, then you die and then and, life is and over. And I feel like I've lived so many lives because I started as a teacher. Then I started as a principal. Then I started as a chef. And then I started as a business coach. And then I kept circling where I'd go back and I became a teacher again. And then I became a, you know, a chef. And I was like, wait, I don't want to spiral anymore. I want to ground. So I just took some time by myself, you know, and I just meditated. (laughs) And so do you have a particular type of yoga that you practice? I know that there's many different types. So I'm actually a certified yoga instructor and a meditation teacher and a Reiki master and all that stuff. Um, But when I practice, I um, do vinyasa yoga, which is more of a flow. So it's a little bit more faster paced than hatha, but, you know, not as regimented as ashtanga. And then um, I was also taught um, a silent meditation from Ishta yoga, which is led by Alan and Sarah Finger. Um, and I actually just went to Deepak Chopra's uh, retreat on Maui because Sarah is the director of yoga. Um, so she invited me over there for the day and we just hung out and she reminded me that I'm a teacher again. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to incorporate this again. It's I all love that. Cool. It yeah. really is. It seems like although you've led a million different lives, yeah. now you've created a life for all of those beings yeah. and all of that knowledge can synchronize and and so I would love for you to talk about, you know, what yeah. it is that you have found yourself doing, what you've created in your homeland, where you live. It's so yeah. exciting. Well, first of all, I wanted to say, like, thank you to this entire community for just allowing me to be here, you know, and like it took me a while to come out of my shell, too, because I want to be really respectful of the community and the culture. Um, and not many people know as a special ed teacher in Pahoa, you know, like I don't really disclose that. So I felt like I needed to learn my community before, you know, I offered anything, right? So in 2016, you know, I was like on the red road doing yoga, like trying to find myself meditating. And by like 2018, oh, and I was also going to all the farmers markets every single time there was one. So at that time, I thought I had given up culinary. I just was like, I'm just here to eat. I'm just going to make simple, simple food because I didn't have a kitchen. I was like living off of a, like a a hot plate, you know, and I didn't have a kitchen. I just had a bathroom sink, you know, it was really gnarly. Um, And then like all of a sudden the volcano erupted and like, I was like, oh man, I thought this was going to be home now. Like I have to evacuate and everything. So I, I actually was in Keokaha for a few months. I had a sublet, luckily. I'm really grateful for that. And um, my whole world turned upside down, like more so than just the volcano, you know, a lot of things kind of just exploded. So I, after the lava quieted down, I was like, you know what, I'm going to leave. I'm going to, I'm going to just ask the, the world, you know, where I should be. And I literally did a eat my way around the world, following my astrocartography. I don't know if you know what that is. 
literally no, this is so you interesting google, <laughs> you google your birth chart and literally there's lines on the the world map of where it followed where you should go to follow your path so i followed my path and literally i was following the vo volcanoes i had no idea the astro cartographer told me to go to mexico and to sicily and like to like bali or something or whatever so i went to mexico he told me not to go to new york i went to new york not a good choice left new york went to italy to see my friends and whatever and then i went to sri lanka and bali and all this other stuff in hong kong and i kept asking every single time i landed i was like where's home where's home where's home and finally it was like it's hawaii and i was like okay like i'm going back home to hawaii and so i had already purchased you know an acre of land that was pure jungle and um when i got back i was like okay it's time to get to work i have to live off grid in a tiny home because there was only a little cabin there i had to hook up a 200 foot hose to my neighbor's well luckily otherwise i would have no running water whatsoever i had a haul in drinking water i had two solar panels just enough for to charge a phone and some lights at night there was potholes everywhere i had like a little step like this and then the boards would fly up at me if I hit at the wrong spot there was um a pop-up tent that was given to me and I was like it's all temporary because like you know whatever I could have built a structure I just wasn't in the mindset but they're like the rain hit so hard there ends up being holes so there's like a big hole and I'm like cooking off of a propane burner on the side oh it's really really like um bare bones so I lived like that for about eight, no, maybe 12 months. Yeah, 12 months. Um, obviously I was showering every day, don't worry. I had all <laughs> all my my needs met. It was just a little rough, but I was teaching at in Pahoa at the same time. So I was working full time and I was building my house. And by 2020, I finally built my house. Um, I moved into my house, took a break from off-grid tiny home living started planting my entire property full of food. Like I was like, if weeds are going to be growing, I'd rather have plants or food growing, you know? Absolutely. So I, 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 um, you know, I got people to put plants in the ground. It's all based on feng shui, permaculture, all this stuff. And now that it's what, 2022. Yeah. Um, I'm like, where am I in my story? <laughs> I started, um, you know, offering eco stays in where I used to stay, but I made it nicer. Like yeah. now there is a beautiful 20 by 20 kitchen, outdoor kitchen with granite countertops. Cause it's like, if I live back there again, what do I need? Like, I know exactly the climate, exactly like where I need to step in order, you know, to have a solar light or whatever. Um, so now I'm offering farm stays and cooking classes in that outdoor glamping area. And I'm living in my house. And then um, my next project is to create a big yoga deck um, oh, so that awesome. I can even like host people. Like we're allowed to do, you know, um, offer some homesteading offers and all that other stuff. So maybe like a little cafe down there or something, but really small, really quiet. Um, and just for the guests that are staying on the property. Yeah. That is so amazing. And so that is Okay. Where do I even begin? I don't know. I'm sorry. I've like been bouncing all around. Well, I, I think a dried banana. Yeah. <laughs> snack on your dried banana. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that what I find most intriguing is that one, just your ability to bounce back. 
Thank you. Your resiliency is incredible. I mean, and your your thirst for adventure, which I think yeah. some people would look at the story and be like, I could never, you know, um, I could never just pick up and go. I could never just quit my job and see what the world gives me. I will say that I left out that there were a lot of like, I'm not a big crier, but there definitely were a lot of tears when I tried to change my career in Italy from teacher, principal to, I don't know, it was like a year of crying. And then like, while I was building my house after, um, right when I got back to Hawaii, I got shingles, like a really bad case of shingles. Yeah, it was gnarly. Um, But the concrete guy was like, hey, I have um, a day, a, a, a good chunk of time to pour your foundation. I was like, go just do it like oh as I'm having shingles and dying in that little tiny like cabin or whatever by myself I was just like it just you just got to keep going and like as much as as but sorry let me catch my thoughts I think the thing with me is that I make these choices to do this it's not like oh I was forced out or whatever I have to take responsibility for my actions I chose to leave my home in New York City to come to Hawaii where I knew no one, no friends, no family, no nothing, right? So I can't expect like, you know, to lean on anybody here. I only have myself because that's the choice I've made, you know? So there were a lot of panic attacks, especially like building as a single female woman in on the Hilo side and everything. And like, I had a, I had to be a New Yorker about it. I had to like use my strengths and communicate like, hey, I'm catching on. Like, this listen this has to happen like this no more like oh would you mind like doing this like no I need it here I need it there we got to get shit done let's do this and stop fucking around that's (laughs) that's when you were contracting your home to be built oh yeah I was the forewoman yeah Yeah, for sure on the whole project but I'm just saying like there was a there's a lot of challenges that on social media I didn't share there were times where like I did maybe post like hey today's a hard day but it was like not just like oh it's a hard day it was like so hard like I was the wind was knocked out of me kind of thing but never would I disclose that at that point in my life how rough it was for me and I kind of wish that I showed people what my life was like because then they could understand where maybe I was coming from or my tone or whatever or something but now that now that that's all behind me and that I've accomplished so much I'm showing people like hey look what I've done but people are just seeing like, wow, look at this product. It's so easy for her. Like she has everything. Like she has a home, she has a farm, she has this, whatever. I've worked so hard to get where I've been. And I appreciate people who followed the journey because they know a little bit about what happened. You know, like they've seen my, my slow <laughs> incline, you know, which is yeah. really great. I think that's such a good point to make too, is, is we often see people as overnight successes and it's like, no, I've literally been working at this dream since whenever you went to Sicily and decided to like shift your life forever. Yeah. And, and one might even argue before that, when you decided to go through an education program, because you knew you loved teaching and now you do that as, so you not only run kind of a glamping, uh, homesteading, a site where people can come and stay on your property if they want to experience something completely different on this side of the island, we only have two yeah. hotels. So it's either one of those two hotels or it's something exciting like this. We really don't have a ton of Airbnb. You have 
an experience that is so unique and actually so, so um, aligned with what life actually looks like here. It's very agricultural. It's very farm-based. It's very, you are in the middle of a jungle. (laughs) We literally live in a rainforest. Like I live in a jungle. I had to like, unfortunately, like excavate part of the jungle. I didn't go flat. I kept the elevation, but like, you don't think this is a jungle? Look next door. It's full of Albizia trees and like all these things that are growing left and right. Like I'm just trying to caretake, you know, the jungle, you know? Well, and I love that you plant, you planted things with such intention, both yeah. in the placement, the type of plants that you have. And the yeah. fact is, is like you said, if weeds are going to grow, might as well be food, might, might as, as well be tomatoes, food. you know? Um, yeah. So talk to us about how you incorporate that teaching of both teaching people how to cook, teaching people about how to appreciate food. What does that look like for you now? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I love when people come to me and ask me questions because then it gives me something to work off of. Like mm-hmm. if someone asked me like, oh, how do you make my pasta? And then like, I'll even talk about the chicken eggs or the duck eggs or where to get from or how to raise chickens now. Like it's so different. Like I'm a New Yorker that used to kill succulents by accident. And now I'm raising two chickens, which are very self-sustainable, Henny and Penny, and they <laughs> give me eggs every day. And then I have friends where they're raising ducks and they'll give me a dozen duck eggs. I'm like, okay, let's just like whip up some handmade pasta, you know? And it's just, Like I can look at, like you can grow food, but I look at food and see how I can utilize food and turn it into something. Like I just hosted a lay workshop, which I call Pua and Poo Poo. So like flower and finger food, right? And um, I was like, okay, it needs to be a Poo Poo because they're going to be working with their hands and it needs to be easy. And I don't want them sitting with plates. So I went to Honolulu because I just think that's normal. And I got some bread from this bread, this place called Bread Shop. And then like, and then I was like, oh, okay, I have some carrot tops from the market because they were going to toss them. So I'm going to make a carrot top pesto with the basil I grew. And I was like, oh, I have some organic cauliflower because it's in season right now. So I'm going to make an organic cauliflower confit and just layer it like that and make a crostini and then put some like Waimea tomato and then just a little bit of Parmesan. Like that's just how my brain works. Oh. And no one can tell me what to cook because I don't know what I'm cooking until I do it. Like, honestly, a lot of times I wish I did film myself more because then I can get the recipes because nothing is ever the same. Um, I mean, there's consistency within like the tiramisu whenever because it's just kind of like clockwork because I do it all the time. Yeah. But um, if, I, if someone asked me for a menu, I'm like, it's going to change if I give you an entire menu right now. Just know it's going to be amazing. Just give me your allergies, give me your dietary restrictions. That's all I need to know. And you'll be happy. <laughs> you know, so. I love that. Yeah. The, the amount of creativity yeah. that is in cuisine. I think there's so many different, when we talk about food, when we talk about the culinary arts, I mean, art is really a part of it. And it that is. art it comes is. from your creativity and your ingenuity of knowing ingredients and having a strong understanding of how they work together. Yeah. And it's a lot of trial and error, right? Because you can taste something and you're like, oh, like you have to realize like what you're tasting. Is it salt, fat, acid? Like what is missing here? Like I just had a smoothie. I'm like, oh, this had too much spirulina. It actually needs to balance with more banana. Hence why I started eating some more of the dehydrated bananas I brought, you know, apple bananas. But um, 
it's it's fun working with ingredients, especially when it's in season. And that's why also I can't create a menu unless I know which season I'm working in. You know, like if you try to hire me out for December, I'm like, okay, I'll have an idea, but I have no idea what the farmer is going to be growing. Maybe they had a drought. Maybe like all their crops got eaten by a mongoose or something or a pig or whatever. I have to just see what's in front of me or in my my fridge and then cook from there. And if I don't have the products, I I can't create. So that's also why I started planting my own food so that I can just walk outside and be like, I need scallions. I need kale. I need this. I need, you know, bananas. It's right there. And yeah. I don't have to drive. <laughs> so other than so trial. Yeah, I know. That's so fun that you just were like, I need this really good bread. Hopefully you picked up also some like dim sum or baked manapua while you were there because we just don't yeah. have it here. You know, I try to get in as much as I can. Like literally, I remember one birthday. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but um, I invited my family to this really good restaurant. So we had lunch and I go, okay, so now we're going for ice cream. And then we're also going to go for a slice of pizza. And this is back in New York. And my brother's like, I didn't sign up for a food tour. I was like, I don't care. This is how it works with me. Like whenever you're with me, it is a food tour. You should just know this by now. (laughs) So on the topic of food tours, we did something like that with our cousins in Arizona because I, again, like food is the most, to me is one of the most pleasurable experiences that you can have and that you can spend your money on other than travel. And then you put the two and two together. It's it's the epitome. It's, it's literally why I work. (laughs) It's so that I can go travel to places and eat food. Yeah. Um, and we took them on a food tour. By the end, it, I think we hit up like three or four spots. And I would say, yeah. you know, the less you can order or like the more people you have, if you can just have yeah, a couple of bites, bites, just yeah. a couple bites, and then you move on. It is yeah. just such a delightful experience to yeah. have a progressive meal in that way. I think so too. And it's really good for your digestion. You're walking, mm-hmm. you're taking small bites. I will say, you know, when I travel, um, it's nice to experience the authentic way something should be prepared and also eaten. But it's also nice to know that like internet today, I can Google a recipe and recreate anything, knowing that I have the knowledge of what it should taste like and work to that standard. And I think that's what's really important for people that who actually love food is to go where it originated. So you understand what you're aspiring to and not what you think it is, because you can be completely wrong, you know? And that's why like, and then it just like becomes a trend. I'm like, no, 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 You need to do it like this. And it needs to be seared just this much and a little undercooked this way, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, for folks who might have a harder time traveling, who still are curious about cuisines of the world, yeah. what might you suggest for them? Like, where Google. do they get started? YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. and Google. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Those people are on, on YouTube and you don't have to fly to them. And they're teaching you for free and stuff like that. Even I want to start, I don't know if I'm going to start a YouTube channel or just keep doing reels on Instagram or TikTok or something, but like, I do want to do more online education and put myself out there now that Mm -hmm. I have Farm to Table Hawaii. Um, And just like also cross promote people and collaborate and really support other women in the industry. Um, And also men too, like, you know, like, I'm just happy to finally know who I am and like offer something that resonates with me because as a world traveler, I'm basically recreating everything that I've sought out while traveling in my own home, you know, and giving the experience to other people. Mm-hmm. I you love know, so that. 
You're like, it's it's global education, you know? It really, it is. Oftentimes it's a way to connect cultures. You know, we all have to cook. We all have to eat. And I think too, when I was thinking about, you know, talking to you, just thinking about the intersections of feminism and food. And when I was doing just like brief research, you know, the cooking for eons has generally fall and like the gathering has generally fallen on female identified folks on women and yet what i read about and what i hear about is that kitchens at least in the celebrity sense or the like the high it's dominated by men and so and when i think about the people who may be listening you know 80 percent of the listenership is women identified female identified I think about the dynamics that still very much exist in many households today. Like I'm lucky I have a partner who, I mean, we both are not like huge fans of cooking, but we both take on equal parts of cooking and preparing and grocery shopping because when you, and cleaning, yeah, that's the hardest part. So I'm very lucky that I've, I have a partner who is, is happy to do that and sees himself very much as a part of the family ecosystem in the culinary sense. But so many of the folks listening may not have that. And so, I mean, as you reflect on your experience as a female chef, you know, in the industry and now kind of creating your own business around the culinary arts, like what might you be able to offer, add to the conversation about feminism and food? I think everyone should watch um, Her Name is Chef, which is a documentary Ooh. by one of my uh, my chefs, Elizabeth Faulkner. We, I just do chef for her whenever I can. And um, she basically helped direct this film. And when I watched it with her, I almost started to cry because I'm like, oh my God, I never realized that this is what I was feeling. Like I took in so much, like you have to kind of prove yourself so much more in a male dominated industry or like, cause they won't listen to you if you're the lead. Like I led a small team of men for this big production and they just kept making things harder and harder and harder and harder. And I had no idea. It was just because I was a woman, you know, like when I saw that, that documentary, I was like, now it makes more sense. Now I understood where they're coming from. Like their ego needed to be seen and heard and felt and whatever. Um, because they were working under a woman. Um, So watch that documentary. Also, um, if you're getting into the chef industry, um, my personal rule and not for everybody, I never dated anyone in this industry. It's very in chef jewel, you know, in a way, you know, like I kept it professional. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of like partying and whatever. And I'm like, I don't need any of that. I just want to focus on my job. I want to do a good job. I want to make authentic relationships with people and connections and then be proud of the work that I did, you know? So just stay professional and know your worth for sure. I love that. Um, I want to talk about dumplings. Oh yeah. Okay. I can talk about that. Because they're delicious. Yeah, they and are. I they're see them delicious. all over your Instagram. And I just am curious, your dad's a chef. You said your grandfather on your mom's side is a chef. Yep. Is this, is the dump, what does a dumpling mean to you? Because it's clearly is something that you either enjoy cooking or there's a big market for it. Yeah. Um, is it a cultural thing that was passed down? Like talk to us about yeah. dumplings. So I have a brother and sister, um, but they never partook in dumpling making the way I did with my mom and dad. So maybe that's a special thing that I held 
really like sacred because it's like when my mom would be like, hey, we're making dumplings, I would like jet down the stairs. I'm like, wait for me. Like, you know, and I would just like my dad would be making the meat mixture. My mom would be rolling out the dough and I would be pleading them. And I think there was a lot of praise attached to like me pleading. Like I grew up in a very perfectionistic home. Um, and so like when they gave me like that little like, good job, wow, you're pleading this. I think I just fed off of it, you know, but never in a million years did I think that I'd be making dumplings by myself because it's a very family oriented um, job. Yeah. Like you have to make the dough, you have to roll it out, you have to make the filling, you have to pleat them, you have to cook them, you have to clean. Like it is beyond laborious. And that's why, like, remember how I told you I didn't know balance. And so I was working as a full-time school teacher and I couldn't sleep at night. So I just started making dumplings. And so all those videos, those early videos that you saw was me just not sleeping and oh trying gosh. to... um get myself to meditate or calm down or whatever. Cause it was like really high pandemic time. And I had like some scares at home. Like, you know, I was like, Oh, should I go home and like take care of my family and stuff like that. So dumpling making is a family oriented activity that I love because I get to eat. Um, yeah. And actually it's interesting because I've taken my dumpling making to the next level, just doing it on my own. Um, like the fillings, like my, my mom and dad, like they know pork, they know scallions, you know, soy sauce, like really basic fillings. Mm -hmm. And they only know one plate. Like I've changed the fillings every single time I get an ingredient. And it's just so fun making new ones based off of what's in season or what chefs give me, like Kanumano Farms gave me their spam. And I'm like, cool, let's use their really high-end spam and make a spam cabbage, you know, dumpling yeah. and then I made this really cool pleat that I never had never done before so it's all just like fun for me it's like basically play-doh <laughs> and I didn't like play-doh <laughs> well and I also love the idea of food and cooking being meditative you know I think a lot yeah. of people some who may even be listening to this podcast right now might have it in their ears as they're yeah. you know sous chefing for themselves essentially chopping yeah. up all the vegetables washing things prepping it there is something that if you can approach food making from a, this is not just to eat, this can be a family activity, yeah. you know, like just this morning, I, uh, something that I've really struggled with, with having a baby, especially during a pandemic is like this idea of balancing work home, or at least integrating yeah. the two. And I'm lucky enough to work at a job where I can, when I need to work from home, I can. Well, right. he, he recently uh, we lost our daycare provider. And, and so he goes to my parents' house most of the week, but they need a break. They're older, need a break. Yeah, yeah. Wednesdays, my husband and I split the care. And so in the morning, I was like, I used to approach just getting him ready for the day with like a, and I have to do this and I have to wake up and I have to make coffee and I have to make breakfast and I have to pack a lunch. And so it was like food, especially food preparation became such yeah. a chore. You know, mm -hmm. with the time crunches and with having to like get somewhere so fast, it was just like cut anything as fast as possible. And I think a lot of people in general, and especially parents probably feel that strain of like, I don't have the time, right. you know? Right. And so now that I have tried to approach it as like, let's just slow down. Yeah. Let's, 
let's use this time to play together because he's now two and a half. So yeah, he wants to participate. Time. So we got him a step stool for the kitchen, great. anything, you know, we're teaching him about knife safety as if like, as in like, Hard. don't touch it <laughs> because yeah. you're just two and a half, but we'll yeah. get him probably like a kid knife at some point. Yeah. And he's learning how to measure out ingredients. So today he was holding the measuring cup wow. and, and when I could approach it that way, um, and you have to be strategic because sometimes you really do need to get out the door, but today I didn't yeah. need to get out the door. He and I both enjoyed the process yeah. so much more. I mean, totally. so much more. It just changed the whole dynamic of the morning. So I would say, yeah. you know, and maybe you can add to this too, like making food less of a chore and more of a joy or a meditation yeah. um is always gonna make your life better <laughs> I'll be honest I think that like sometimes people overcomplicate food like I think that when you have really good ingredients it's not necessary to put all this herbs and spices and toppings and layers and whatever 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 sometimes it's just a quick oil in the pan a little quick roast or whatever and then like salt and pepper you're done like make it yes. simple yes. add some rice add a sauce if you've already had some sauce buy a sauce whatever a lot of times like we're fortunate to have um like be at farmers markets where people sell their homemade food and all you have to do is add a protein or a carb or a starch into it and then you have a meal um you know I know that not everyone can like do everything from scratch. And so I love, you know, selling things. I'm like, oh, I'm one person. So I'm going to make 10 extra. And if you want to buy it, cool. You know, if not, I'm going to save it and I'll freeze it. You know, freezing mm -hmm. things is my lifesaver because if I get sick, right, there's nobody really there to help me. All I have to do is defrost something and I'm done. And I'm like, thank God I made this like 10 weeks ago. <laughs> you know? Yes. So, oh yeah. Um, Pulling the gems out of the freezer is like one of the best things ever. You're like, oh my gosh, the split pea yeah. soup tastes so good seven months yeah. later. <laughs> and honestly, he can help you too. Like, okay, we're going to turn on the fire. We're going to put some water in the pot. We're going to put this in. Done. Wow. Five minutes later. Good job. You just yeah. cook soup. You yes. know, like giving them that like like short goals and reward, you know, for doing something awesome will just help them grow into better people, you know, with good life skills. Absolutely. Well, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you're just burning to talk about that you're just dying like to really add? Like, like, no, and, and this and this and this and this. I mean, yeah. I'm just like super grateful to have the like the opportunity to speak about this because it's like probably the first time. Well, this is definitely my first time being on a podcast. So oh. apologies for if I speak too fast. But um, no, you're perfect. Yeah. You're perfect. Um, but also, it's cool to just verbalize what what I have been doing over the past two, three years, because I will say that um, just recently, I think it's divine that we were able to get together at this moment in time because everything is in alignment. Like you were saying, like farm to table Hawaii is a farm state. It's a cooking school. I hold space for people who come to the, the property and then they can either get in the dirt or they can just have a meal or they can do yoga. They can do meditation. They can do journaling. They can do a cooking class. We can go for a farm tour. We can teach them something. We can, you know, um, go to the beach. Like it's exciting to have a platform 
to finally be like, oh, I have something to help you, mm-hmm. you know, in some way, shape or form. And it's always been like, as teachers, right? We're always there to support and be of service and to help. And sometimes it's foreign to people, but when it's genuine and it's alignment and it's authentic, like, I feel like that's what builds community, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I do have some rapid fire questions, but before I get to those, I saw you may or may not be writing about, are you writing a book? Did I get that wrong? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the next thing. So I've been wanting to write a book literally for like maybe two decades already, you know, but like, I didn't know who I was. So I was writing stories and they were fine, but they weren't close to my heart. So now I want to create, I'm very straightforward. I'm direct. I just like giving information. I grew up with a mom who's a Gemini. So she likes lawn wood and stuff. I'm very like short, direct, sweet. So I want to create like little booklets. Like mm-hmm. I even have some ideas like right here in my notebook. Oh, love it. This is made by Amelie. She's a local leather artist. Oh, Anyways, so it. like, oh wait, hold on. It's in this book. I have multiple books. Multiple Anyways, leather like, bound books. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like, I like my things. I like quality. I'm a minimalist. Mm-hmm. Um, but like one booklet will just be uh, focused on garlic, you know? And so all the recipes that could be used with garlic confit or like raw garlic or something like that, or like eggs, like the chickens give me so many eggs, like how many egg recipes can you make out of that? Or even like the stories that go attached to my glamping, you know, like, okay, like one time I made a lasagna in an, in a grill because I didn't have an oven, you know? Yeah. And I made the sauces from scratch on a grill. Okay. Like it's just going to be like farm to table Hawaii, but, but with a specific topic per booklet. I love this idea, please. Well, I will buy the garlic one because it's my favorite ingredient. I can never get enough (laughs) of it. I hope to never either develop an allergy or have like bad acid reflux for it. I know people that like really can't eat garlic. And I'm like, I don't know what life would be like without garlic growing up in such a pan Asian, like Hawaiian cultures, you know, garlic was huge for lots of different cuisines that I grew up eating. In fact, I would love if in that book, you could teach folks how to do pickled garlic. That is something that is like, the most intriguing thing to me, it wasn't until I was an adult that I went to the poke area and it was like pickled garlic. And I was like, just straight up whole garlic cloves in sauce and bit into it and was so surprised that it was so mild and delightful and crunchy. You know, I know that when you roast garlic, it gets, I'm like literally salivating. Thank you about it. I love garlic so much. (laughs) Um, It gets so sweet and delightful and it's so nice on a crostini or bread or something, Mm -hmm. but a raw straight up, like pickled. I was like, this has got to be too gnarly. And then I ended up eating probably 10 cloves of garlic. Yeah. And it's, I will give you about like one recipe right now, which is super easy. Um, these are like garlic cough drops to me. So Mm -hmm. basically I take a raw, like bulb of garlic. I, you know, take the peel off, I smash them and I literally just put them in raw local honey and I let it sit there for a month. At least those after one month break down, you can chew it. And that'll be like, um, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm saying it properly, but the anti-parasitic or like it helps like 
wow. for the bacteria because garlic is healing, right? Yes. So yeah. So when you chew on it and it goes down, you're basically killing the germs too. So interesting. So, okay. So you throw it in a jar of honey and then yeah. you just pull the little clove out and you pop it in yeah. your mouth. Yeah. Or I've drank, I've drank the honey. I put it in tea, like oh ginger gosh. tea when I'm sick too. Like I have literally, if I were home, I'd show you, I have like a whole like snapware container in glass, mm-hmm. make sure it's glass, not plastic, mm-hmm. um, of garlic cloves, just soaking in raw local honey in the event that I get sick. That is so, and how long does it last? Forever, really. Forever. Honey, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like honey doesn't expire, right? And so if yeah. it's sitting covered in honey and there's no like garlic bulb sticking out on top and it's. Yeah completely covered it's gonna last forever yeah well folks who have I mean, not until you eat it all <laughs> yeah. oh my god how fantastic thank you for that gift i am yeah. so appreciative i just you know for folks who have not visited hawaii um this island island of hawaii mm-hmm. you gotta come if you yeah. love culinary if you love food i feel like beyond like your farm is a perfect example but yeah. food is everywhere here food systems are everywhere and there is such a strong connection to the people that grow the food create the honey raise the cattle raise the pigs the chickens the eggs i mean if you're into that at all and you're listening this is such a literal and physical and and metaphorical fertile ground for you to be on really fertile ground i will say i have to you know i want to elaborate that for people who haven't been to hawaii too because we know it as people who, you know, take care of their cattle, grow, like raise their chickens, grow their food. It is actually not really common or accessible to the average person here, mm. I, I would have to say. Because like a lot of the like farmer's markets, you don't know if they're selling from a farmer or if they're reselling from a store. And wow. that is really a problem. And I can tell the difference. And I also ask the right questions to see like if it's confirming what I see, you know, and a lot of times they're honest with me because (laughs) they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I will say that there are more programs that um, are promoting local farmers and Mm -hmm. their food. But if you think about it, because we're, we live here, we know who's growing. We we can go to a neighbor and be like, Hey, do you have any like tangelo right now? Mm -hmm. Like that you can spare? Like my whole neighbor just is like, Hey, I have all these papayas and lychee. Go for it. I'm like, thanks. Cool. I'll be right over, you know? And then like, I'm growing all my stuff. So it's just like, there are farmer's markets, but Mm -hmm. you have to know which farmer's markets and you have to know which vendors. And so that's why like, I like doing food tours because then I can be like, Hey, you might want to buy this one, you know, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Cause I want to support everybody and their their business and all that stuff. But for me, if it's going to be farm to table, I have to really know my sources. And what's good about it is that like when I moved here in 2016, I had no idea I would offer this service in the future. I just became friends with all the vendors and asked them all these questions because it was just what I was interested. So I actually know how they take care of their animals and what they feed them and, you know, how big their acreage is and like how their elevation is and what the rain is like and all this other stuff too. It brings up such a good point because it's something that I've heard about from my family because my family grows food of their own on their I property. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. 
It's amazing. They are all, my dad's always so proud every time he's like, this whole dinner basically is from, you know, our land, our Aina. And I'm like, that, that's just super cool because we did, we had a a good amount of fruit in our, when I lived on Oahu, because that's where I grew up. Um, but nothing like here. I just feel like fruit just grows wild here in particular. Avocados grow wild. Um, or yeah, noni. I mean, just so much. And, you know, I know that my dad has said, like, you do have to watch out with some of the vendors at the farmer's markets who just buy from like Costco and repackage. So for folks, I mean, farmer's markets are not just for here, like they're all over the States as well. Yeah, and yeah, so it happens those, everywhere. For those who have access to farmer's markets that might want to start asking questions, what might be some easy questions for them to ask um, the vendors? Is it local? Like simple as that, like, oh, like, is it local or is it from here? Like you can ask that anywhere. Like even when I'm in New York, I think New York does a a vetting process of the vendors though. But if you're somewhere and you're like, oh, where's it from? And then and they tell you which state or like which county or whatever, then you can ask more questions like, oh yeah, like what else does this farmer grow? Like, you know, what else do you recommend or whatever? Mm Because then you'll see what type of crops they're growing and everything like that. Or like, oh, you'll see if you even walk around a farmer's market and you start seeing the same things, you know what's in season, like soursops in season, lychees in season, papayas in season, like, because you keep seeing a bunch of it and there's excess of it because it's the season for it. But if you only see like one, I don't know, like mango, Dragon fruit. Not, yeah, 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 maybe like it's not ready yet. Or maybe if you see too much of it, maybe it's from a store, you know, because um, think about it, like if you're a big commercial farmer, you're probably selling to restaurants and all this other stuff or having packages in like the supermarkets and whatever. If you're a small scale farmer, you probably only have a few buckets of something mm-hmm. or you can be like, oh, is this from one farm or is this from multiple farms? You know, there's so many questions. I'm going to yeah. write, put that all in a book too. So I'm <laughs> like how to shop at a farmer's market. I mean, you're just so full of of knowledge and wisdom that people can use every single day. And so you writing, I mean, it sounds like you also have a history of writing. You are passionate about writing. You're passionate about teaching. I'm super excited to see where the booklets will go. And I think that, you know, in this day and age, short, sweet to the point, just like how you describe yourself is what people want. You know, they're like, I, and a book just on things like how to use uh, green onions or how to use garlic or how to use rice. Like if garlic's not your thing, maybe you want to skip that booklet. Maybe you're going to go for the eggs or something or whatever. Or the egg book. Yeah. I love that. So, um, okay. Two rapid fire questions. One, what is your favorite thing to cook or your favorite couple things to cook? Okay, so it depends on allergies and dietary restrictions. Am I cooking for myself or cooking for guests? Like for for yourself. We'll, we'll just my, go with yourself. My, okay, I'll be honest. As a chef, chefs don't cook for themselves. Like That's we really cool. don't. Um, it's super true because like ask anyone, we'll always cook an elaborate dish for someone else. But if it's us, simple, plain, easy, like whatever's in the fridge that doesn't take me forever to clean or prep or if I'm or if I'm like testing a dish I'll do that but I'll even share that with other people and then just get bites into it like Mm -hmm. it's very interesting I don't know what the psychology is behind that that we don't really cook for ourselves that often but um I do like to make a palms and because it's like super easy you just slice potatoes really thinly and then you 
fry it on the pan and then you put it in an oven and then it's like a pancake. I've never yeah. even heard of this. It's called Palms End? Yeah, potato, potato and yeah, in French. Yeah, Palms oh, End. Um, oh. But it's super simple and I can like, I can literally, it takes me like a few minutes to prep it. I put it in the oven. I forget about it. The timer goes, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I have food. You know, like a lot of times, like I'm doing so much, um, like I need simple, you know, mm-hmm. and even like, I normally don't get to eat my dumplings because they sell out. But like, if I like stash a couple dumplings, like I'll make a couple dumplings for myself because that's super easy. They take like five minutes to cook. Um, But if I were to cook for somebody else, like I have a few easy favorites. Like my first dish I ever learned was like pumpkin risotto. So so, like it's the kabocha squash with like risotto and risotto is rice for people who don't know. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think it's a pasta, but it's like a hearty rice that's um, absorbed with stock. And I usually homemade the chicken stock out of like punachu chickens if I'm in Hawaii or something. Um, And that's a big crowd pleaser. And then if for some reason there's leftovers, I can make them into arancini, which are rice balls. Yeah. And those are just breaded rice balls and stuff like that. Oh, God, I love it. Well, then that brings me to my second. So based off of your answer about yourself, where do you like to take yourself out to eat if you're on Hawaii Island? Wait, where? If you're on our island, Hawaii Island. Okay. I will literally solo dine anywhere in the world. I like thrive and live to find like hole in the walls that like shock and surprise me. I'm still exploring Hawaii Island. Um, and I don't mind paying for food. Like I will go high end. I will go hole in the wall. It doesn't matter. Um, so, and I will say I spent a lot of money on this island. So I've been like testing things, but a lot of things don't last. On Kona's side, um, my friend Dan, he's the chef of Magic Beach Grill. He's doing a really good job because he's doing farm to table food and it's right on the water. And so it's like a really big crowd pleaser. Like it's farm to table food. It's right on the ocean. It's like casual fine dining and it's accessible. Okay. And so like, and people can find it. Um, Napua is great because it's on like a private beach and like, you have to have a reservation. Oh, and, yeah. That's at the like, fancy resort. Which um, one? Is it Mount really, Alani? Is no? it? Uh, it's in Waikoloa. I never yeah. really associate it with a resort because, like, when I go in there, I just know I have to, like, tell them. I have to, like, punch the gate and be like, hi, I have a reservation. And then you go in. Um, It might be the Mount I've never eaten at. I haven't really eaten at like all the really, really expensive. Like I haven't tried Canoe House. I haven't tried Four Seasons or Ulu or any of these things. Um, I just haven't had the opportunity to do that. But like I have met Brandon who owns Napua and I've been to his farm. Um, So he raises Berkshire pigs and um, Keone is a chef there. And like he's going to invite me to break down a pig with him so I can learn that skill set. Cause I've done chickens, I've done rabbits, I've done all that stuff. And like, I've seen pigs and cows be processed, but I want to actually physically do it myself too, as a farm to table chef, just yeah. to, in my back pocket. I've heard um, great things about Napua. I have not heard about yeah. magic, um, but I know that they have a restaurant right there on the beach. And so yeah, while my I family's in town, I would love to go. Yeah. 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 And like, those are like two like higher end, um, like restaurants and everything. And like, I feel like I have a lot of allergies. Um, I'm allergic to corn. I'm allergic to soy, shrimp, pork, um, probably a few other things. So 
a lot of the other places that I really want to try, I can't because they can't make substitutions for me. And that's okay because I don't want it to um, deter from their recipe too much. And I, you know, I don't, they're too busy. <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah. So. It makes sense. But at least you found some places here globally, because I feel like you lit up when I asked yeah. you this question. And so yeah, as we end globally, where is your favorite places to eat? <laughs> Well, obviously Italy, you know, like, and I will say Terne Monza is probably still one of my favorite places. It's the first place I learned how to cook anything, but it still was my, like, literally you, you like had to pry me away from them. Like my boyfriend at the time, they'd be like, you want to go to Terne again? We just went there last day. I'm like, yeah, but they have a different menu. Like it, it would change <laughs> by the day, you know? Um, like I am a big pizza holic, you know. I love New York pizza. I love Italian pizza. They're two separate things. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's wherever I'm traveling. You know, I just want to find the authentic uh, food. And sometimes, like I was in Thailand in a really remote area, and I just hired someone to bring me on a food tour, and he was speaking Thai, and I saw she was making these hand pulled noodles, and it was tom yum, and I was like. And I know I watched her make it. I was like, this is going to suck because after this bowl, it's going to be the best Tom Yum I've ever had in my fucking life. And I'll never be able to have it this good again. And that's the cost of having really good food. Oh, that is a perfect place to end because yeah. it is you're always chasing the flavor. I feel like yeah. I'm always chasing the next flavor. And I'm always so delighted to spend money on people like yourself who delight in making yeah. something delicious. Um, so how people do people who invest in, sorry, and people who invest in me, I get to put their money into expanding my palate so that I can give it back to them in a different way. Like all those dumplings that I've made have been representative of all the countries that I've ever visited. Like all those flavor profiles, I know they work because I've tried it, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to put that and that together. I'm like, oh, it's, so simple and it's so common you know whereas if you only know what you know you only go so far absolutely so yeah. how do people find you how do people you know sign up to go glamping take classes yeah. uh learn from you just soak in all of this energy well it's all like coming together like right like within this month everything has come together but I've been testing it out for the past year or so so you can go to farm to table hawaii.org not dot com mm -hmm. So it's farmtotablehawaii.org. I'm also on like Instagram at Chef Justine Ma at Farm to Table Hawaii. Um, you can message me directly and I usually respond to everybody. If I miss you, it's because I just didn't see it. So I'm really good at responding. But if you want to book a stay, there's um, hipcamp.com and you can find me there. I'm, I think I'm like on one of the first few like viewings and everything, but I think go to the website is the best way or Instagram or TikTok or something like that. Oh, well, thank you so much for yeah. taking your time today and just sharing with us your life of, of adventures. What, thank a, you. Yeah. what a wild, different way to approach life. And I think that what, what it's taught you is not only who you are, but where you're meant to be and where you're, you yeah. know, and how you serve the world, which is through creating yeah. beautiful, like honoring the farm to table beauty of yeah. where our food comes from and food ecosystems and creating really exciting palettes to, 
get people's mojo going when it comes to food. So cool. Yeah. And like, I'm also creating opportunities for like locals to come volunteer on the farm. And then I will cook a farm to table meal spread for local people. And it's all coming together because I know like a lot of locals have supported me in the past by buying my food and everything. So it's also different. You can just send me a message too. like, uh, I know, like people want to come visit the farm and stuff like that. So I'm trying to create things, but just send me your ideas and I'll try to make it happen some way, shape or form. It's all in the flow. I love Remember, it. All you have to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. Is no. <laughs> if you take anything away from this time with me and yeah. Justine, it's you just got to ask, baby. You got to yeah. ask. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.